In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christ is in our midst. Today, in the Gospel reading, we hear the parable of the heavenly banquet. This is one of my favorite parables that's in the Bible. Come on in, there's plenty of room, plenty of chairs. This is one of my favorite parables in the Bible because it very clearly speaks about what is at the center of our spiritual life. And not just our spiritual life, what is at the center of our orthodox life, our entire life. And that is the divine liturgy. Our Lord says, a man once gave a great banquet and invited all of his guests and he prepared everything. And he invited those to come, and then they started making excuses. And then he invited those in the highways, and the byways, and the hedges, and in the gutters, and brought them all in too. And there was plenty for everyone, and it was a chance for everybody to sup with the great man. In Matthew's Gospel, it's a king, a king through a great banquet. And in Matthew's Gospel, in this parable, the king actually goes, sends people to go and kill those who didn't come, who rejected his invitation. So, we have this banquet, and it's very clear that this is the liturgy. Because what do we do when we come to church? We are invited by the great king, and we come and we dine at his table. But unfortunately, unfortunately, too many times our priorities are not in order and we are too willing to go do something else that we think is more important. And then we make excuses like we hear today. Oh, I bought a field. I have to inspect it. Really? You can't do that during the week? I married a woman. I have to go take care of her. I have oxen. I have to go take care of them. I am very important and I have many things to do which are more important than coming to church and being at the Lord's table. That's the excuse, ultimately. As David says in the Psalms, we hear this a lot during Lent, we make excuse with excuses in sins. Now, I was wondering to myself, what are good excuses not to make it to the heavenly banquet on a regular basis? Number one, illness, okay? Shut-ins who are ill, who can't get out, that's a real thing. Number two, safety, right? In weather like this, if you are a tremendous fall risk, like, yeah, okay, maybe it's better to stay home. And then there are times where we're late, right? Like you're on your way out the door and then the baby explodes through 10 layers of clothing, right? Or the tire is flat, right? Or you end up in a ditch. Like sometimes you're late occasionally, but I'll just be very honest. I don't know why people are perpetually late and perpetually absent from the heavenly banquet. I don't understand. 
I will never understand. I try to be compassionate, but frankly, I don't think people have good excuses. This is literally the most important meal of the week. And this is literally the most important food of your entire life. And yet people say like, eh, it's no big deal, I'll catch it next time. Really? Will you? Will you? I think if we serve the liturgy once a year, the churches would be packed every time. But I think the fact that the Lord offers us His life Day after day, week after week, we take it for granted. And it becomes casual. It becomes casual. I'll just drive through the church parking lot the same way I drive through McDonald's. That becomes the attitude. God forbid, right? But frankly, if this is the most important thing in our life, if our life, if our calendar is built around the church's calendar, if this is our first priority, then we'll never take it for granted. But it's when we fit the church into the rest of our calendar, you see the difference there? That's when it becomes a problem. When my work is first, when my recreation is first, when my kids' soccer and hockey and Boy Scouts and blah, 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 blah are more important, and I'll go to church when I have time for it, if I have time for it, then it's a problem. But if we say, okay, I need to build a calendar for the coming week and month and year, here are all the times that the church is open. I will be there. Here are all the times that I'm invited to commune with the uncreated God. I will be there. There are two modes of existence. There are two modes of existence. Period. There is an uncreated mode of existence, which is the category that God is in. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uncreated. Then there is the created category, created mode of existence, and that's everything else. Everything else is created. We as creatures, created by God, have an opportunity in every single liturgy to transcend time and space and commune intimately, physically, with the uncreated God. That should blow your mind every week. We cannot fathom and comprehend this gift. We cannot comprehend it. And yet, too many times we say, eh, I don't feel like it. The uncreated God offers us His life. And the miracle of all miracles happens. Every single liturgy is a feast of the Annunciation, the announcement that God is with us. Every single liturgy is a feast of Christmas where God becomes incarnate because that bread becomes the body of Christ. 
And every single liturgy is a feast of the resurrection with the risen Lord, and every single liturgy is a feast of Pentecost. Now, if I told you, if I told you that there was going to be some natural phenomenon, right, that the world has never seen before, and it's going to happen Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, and you should be down by the river because something's going to happen that the world has never seen before, everybody would be there. Everybody would be there. Remember that eclipse that happened a couple months ago, right? People were going on vacation to like Oregon, Texas, Colorado, wherever, to be in a spot where they could see this eclipse. They took time off of work to see like the sun and the moon align. And yet, the Son of Righteousness takes flesh and dwells among us and some people are too busy. What can possibly be more important than what we do here right now? What can possibly be more important? The liturgy is our life. The liturgy is our life. And of course, I'm preaching to the people who made it through six inches of snow to be at church, right? I'm aware of that. But we all need this reminder because we all need to orient ourselves to Christ and His church. I don't know very much, but I know this. There is literally nothing in the world more important than the divine liturgy. I even have a saint to back me up. St. John of Kronstadt says that if one was to put all the world's most precious things on one side of a scale and the divine liturgy on the other, the scales would tip completely in favor of the divine liturgy. And Father Sergius from St. Tikhon's, our friend who did that wonderful retreat in April, in his book, Acquiring the Mind of Christ, he has his first chapter is about liturgy as life. And I highlighted so much, I could have highlighted the whole chapter, but I'm going to read some of the quotes from what he writes so that you can have an understanding of how important the liturgy is. He says, We must never see the liturgy in the liturgical life of the church as something extra. It is through the grace that we receive at each liturgy that we are enabled to enter eternity and are empowered to escape corruption, sin, and death because what we are offered and receive is nothing other than the life of God Himself. If somebody offered you the chance to escape corruption, sin, and death, don't you think that's a pretty good deal? I would want to take it. Father Sergius says, It is through the liturgy that we learn how to live a spiritual life, for it shows us a pattern of how to take this world and to offer it up in an anaphora, an offering. It is imperative to understand that he who cares for the liturgy and ministers unto the Lord takes care of the Lord himself. It must be stated and emphasized that Orthodox Christian life is by definition a liturgical life. To fail to recognize this is to fail to find the key to the mystery of Orthodox Christianity. 
The liturgy is meant to become our life and the continual entry into the new life that is granted to us in Christ. The church's teachings are inseparable from the liturgy and all of her theological definitions that she proclaims are confirmed by and revealed through the liturgy. The church has not grown out of dogmatic formulas, not even Holy Scripture, but out of right worship. He says also there must be an exchange of lives. When we receive the Eucharist, there must be a tremendous effort in our own life to become like unto Christ himself, especially by being obedient to his words. We don't come to church just to get something out of it. Will we get something out of it? Sure, of course. But we come to church to put our lives into it and exchange the life of corruption and death for the life of Christ. He says, Our task is to acquire the mind of Christ, not by imitation, but through an impartation and participation. And this only happens through the church by grace and forming our heart so that we understand the world in and through Christ. The only way to acquire this is through living the liturgy. We will never have time for the church and the things of God unless we make time, prioritizing our life so as to put God first. If we say that we love God, that means, says St. Silouan the Athenite, that we pray. If we love God, we pray. There are two sides of the life of prayer which are inseparably bound, personal and corporate, and we need both if we are going to make progress, for they both nourish each other, strengthening and reinforcing each other respectively. Today is the day of salvation, and the time is far spent. So therefore, we must always remember the church, that the church and its liturgy are the kingdom. And the world to come, present in our midst today. St. Nicholas Cabasila says, What is the kingdom if not this holy bread and this holy cup? We must beware of supposing that heaven is something that only is in the future. Metropolitan Irotheos Vlachos states, We Orthodox are not waiting for the end of history and the end of time, but through living in Christ we are running to meet the end of history, and thus already living the life expected after the second coming. In the church, the kingdom is present and revealed, but yet to be consummated. And this is the church, and this is the liturgy. This is our new life in Christ, which he calls to us, Come, all things have been prepared. That's from today's gospel. Our task is to do what we can and leave the rest to God. Our part may be a small offering, but it might very well be the widow's two mites, which purchase for us the kingdom of heaven. The liturgy is the most important thing. And our job is to be faithful. We will never, ever be worthy of the gifts that God gives us. But our job is to be faithful, to show up, to prepare, to plan ahead. God will honor our faithfulness and give us everything that we need and then some. He will give us his whole life in the kingdom of heaven. We just have to open ourselves to receive it. There's a saying in golf, no short putt ever goes in the hole. No short putt ever goes in the hole. In a similar way, 
Nobody who is absent from church can receive Holy Communion. You can receive grace in a lot of different ways. But if you don't even show up, you can't receive the most important gift that God has given us. And God help us if we ever take it for granted and if we ever take it too casually. We need frequent but not casual communion. Frequent but not casual. Just because we do this every week and it is familiar to us doesn't mean that its importance is lessened. We should always, always consider that we are in the kingdom of heaven when we step into church. This is why we start the liturgy with, Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What we do is we participate in the heavenly worship that is always going on. We step into it, we step out of it. But if we want strength to endure the world and the stuff that the world throws at us in the middle of the week... We need to be anchored here, at least every week, but as much as possible. As much as possible. Brothers and sisters, we have no good excuse. And we must make this our priority. Until we become liturgical beings, we can't be Christians. That's a bold statement, but I'll say it again. Until we become liturgical beings and make the liturgy our life, we won't be Christians. The love that we share with the world and with our neighbor flows from the love of God that we receive in the Holy Chalice. This is our life. This is what we celebrate every week, that God is with us. And may that God who is with us strengthen us and give us the resolve to lay aside all earthly care now and for the rest of our lives so that we can worship Him faithfully, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst.